Is the Bible reliable? Is it really a living book? Is it really God's Word? How do I read it? Why are there so many different interpretations? Why are there so many different denominations? All these questions go together because they all stem from one uh, common curiosity, which is what even is the Bible? What are the implications of its existence? Hey, everybody. Welcome to my first episode of my podcast, Sitting at His Feet. I'm so grateful for those of you that are out there listening. Um, It means a lot to me. And so I just, again, want to thank you for your time. I hope that this podcast serves as an encouragement to you, a resource to you. Um, I just want to be a familiar, safe place for my friends and family, uh, Facebook friends, to be able to go to when they have questions about the Bible or Jesus. By no means um, am I a biblical scholar, but at the same time, I have read a lot. I love the Lord. And for those of you that don't know, I am on the mission field. And so this being the truth is what I am banking on. And so I want to be able to really press into those hard questions, because if it's true, it should be able to answer the questions, or at least not be intimidated by the questions. So without further ado, let's just jump right into our very first episode. Um, This is going to be fun, (laughs) at least for me, so I hope that you enjoy it as well. The reason that I chose Is the Bible Reliable for my very first episode is because as I plan on doing more episodes over the next few months, a lot of the questions that I'm going to address are related to each other and interdependent upon each other. And some questions I can't even answer without first answering another question. And so it's really hard to even dive into Christianity and Jesus and salvation and the nature of God and man without first starting with the Bible. The Bible makes a pretty hefty claim for itself. And after all, if you have ever talked to any Christians, which I think most of us, if not all of us, have at least talked to somebody who says they're a Christian, they claim, at least they should claim, that the Bible is the Word of God, that it's living and active and that it holds the truth of the universe. And so that's a pretty hefty claim, and we ought to know if it's true or not. There's so many good arguments out there for the reliability of Scripture, such as its preservation and how we have, you know, thousands of manuscripts and we have extra biblical texts where, you know, some historical figure quotes Scripture or points to this or that. But I actually think the most pragmatic and perhaps biblical argument, I would say, is What does Jesus think about the Bible? And did Jesus really rise from the dead? Okay, because if Jesus really rose from the dead, I'm going to agree with whatever that guy thinks, right? Like, if he resurrected, if he was dead for three days and came back to life, I'm following that guy. What does he say about the Bible? 
So I think that's an interesting take. I'm interested in what that guy thinks, because he's probably right. And if he didn't rise from the dead, then the Bible's obviously not inspired. It's obviously not, and we'll talk more about that, but none of it's true, because all it's doing in the Old Testament is predicting this coming Messiah who will live a perfect life, die for his people's sins, and be resurrected. So really, we have two choices. Choice one, Jesus didn't rise from the dead. It's all false. I'm going to pack up and go home. Two, Jesus did rise from the dead, in which case, what does this guy say about the Bible? Specifically, today, I'm going to be looking at three scriptures, John 5, 39, Matthew 5, 17, and Luke 24, 44 through 46. If you have your Bibles, I would love for you to turn there with me. If not, feel free to just listen. John 5, 39 says, this is Jesus, by the way, talking to the Pharisees who constantly approach him and try to trap him and try to accuse him of blasphemy. These guys, these Pharisees, they know, or they think they know, their Old Testament. So they're putting him to the test, okay? Um, let's see, he says, John five thirty nine, you pour over the scriptures... So this will be, again, the Old Testament, okay? That's all that they had at this time. There was no New Testament written yet. You pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them, and yet they testify about me. Interesting. So he is saying the Bible or the Old Testament is about me. So that's one thing he thinks. He thinks the Old Testament is about him. Second verse is Matthew 5, 17, and I'm actually going to read 18 as well. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Many of us are familiar with this. Jesus says, Don't think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. When he says the law or the prophets, that's... um, kind of how the Old Testament was divided. It was divided into the law, the writings, and the prophets. So you'll see that a lot as we read through the New Testament scriptures. Third scripture is found in Luke 24, 44 through 46. I'm actually just going to read till 49. This is after Jesus has resurrected. So he is alive. The disciples are obviously shocked and not quite understanding Uh, what in the world has happened, but here's what Jesus tells them. He told them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then, I love this part, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He also said to them, this is what is written The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day, verse 47, and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and look, I am sending you what my father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. These three passages are pretty convincing, at least for me, that Jesus thinks highly of God's word. But the cherry on top is actually Luke 4. I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but I want you to read it. I want you to go somewhere quiet and just read 
and see how powerful this passage is. Because what happens is Jesus goes into the wilderness and he's fasting. Okay, so he is putting his humanity to the test. He's not eating or drinking. Um, he's weak. He's hungry. He's tired. He's his worst physical self. And Satan comes to tempt him with all kinds of promises and, dare I say, threats even. And it's interesting because Jesus even though he's God and he could have struck Satan down with lightning, he could have flown away, he could have disappeared. But what did he do? He quoted scripture. I think I've made a pretty good case here that Jesus respects, reveres, believes in, follows, and loves the Bible. And so if I'm a follower of Jesus, then I ought to be the same way. Now we're human and none of us are ever going to interpret the scriptures 100% perfectly. But that's not an excuse to be lazy either. Um, it's not our interpretation of scripture that saves us. There's not going to be just one denomination in heaven because, again, that would be a workspace salvation if you have to be correct on all things scripture-wise to enter heaven. That is not what saves us. What saves us and puts us in a right standing before God the Father is the sacrifice of his son in our stead. The problem, and now we're getting into the gospel, which is so exciting, but that'll be a different podcast. You know, the problem is that we have sinned, we have fallen short of God's glory, we have chosen to worship other things instead of God, and our sin, the Bible says, has separated us from Him, and rightfully so. We've committed cosmic treason, and Christ was God in human flesh. He was 100% God, 100% man. He died on the cross. He bore God's wrath over my sins. He gives me His righteousness. He gives me a right standing before God. I'm declared justified. I'm declared holy, blameless, sinless because of Christ. And that is what gets me into heaven. So again, that's not an excuse to be lazy when it comes to Bible interpretation. But there's going to be people from many different denominations that are covered by the blood of Christ. You know, when we read the Bible, we bring a cultural lens, we bring, you know, a personal lens, and the Christian life is about falling in love with Jesus, and in doing so, we try to remove the lens of sin, the cultural lens, the preference lens, you know, all these glasses that we wear when we read the scriptures. I want to remove those. I want to read the Bible in the correct way, because it's not enough to just read it. You know, you can make the Bible say anything you want it to say if you take things out of context. So learning how to read the Bible is important. That's why hermeneutics is so important. If you've never heard that word, hermeneutics is the um, study and art of biblical interpretation. And so it's not that hard to read the Bible, but you can't just flip it open, put your finger there and say, okay, I'm going to read this verse and this applies to me. Um, there's, you know, poetry and the law, which 
we're no longer under the law. And so you have to read the Bible correctly. Um, many times Jesus rebukes people for not reading it correctly. But no, um, we aren't going to just have one denomination in heaven. There will be people from all nations, tribes, and tongues, and they're there because Christ has died for them. But I hope that I've made a good case that, you know, it's kind of simple to answer the question, is the Bible reliable? It all hinges on, did Jesus raise from the dead? Is he who he says he is? Is he God? Because I don't know about you, but I've never met anybody ever that has rose from the dead. Um, You know, Jesus is obviously different. And so if he was just a person who is still dead in the ground, then Paul says in, um, I can't remember if it's first or second Corinthians, that we are people most of all to be pitied because our faith is in vain. We only believe this because we think it's true. We believe he physically rose from the dead, that he physically was born of a virgin, lived on this planet, lived a perfect life, fulfilled the law for us. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, feel free to send me a message um, on Facebook or we have an email, which is blamibo.go at hushmail.com. Of course, I'll spell that out. It's B-L-A-M-I-B-O dot G-O at hushmail.com. Thank you and God bless. Thank you.